Hello, it's Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. We are in the book of Psalms today, so take your Bible if you can, unless you're driving or cleaning or working or doing something throughout your day. I'll just read it to you, but if you have your Bible, there's a little phrase I'd like you to underline or at least underline in your thinking in Psalms 9, verse number 1. The Bible says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Notice that little phrase, with my whole heart, with my whole heart. David said he is going to praise God. He's praising the Lord while he does it, and he is determined to do so with his whole heart, not just a little portion of his heart, not even with most of his heart, but with his whole heart, with everything he had, everything about him. When it comes to the Christian life, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for everything. God doesn't just want a little portion of your Sunday morning. He wants your whole week. He doesn't just want one little part of your day, one five-minute period where you might read a verse and pray. He wants the whole day surrendered to his will. He wants everything. He doesn't just want uh, the little tenth of what he's given to you back to him in the offering plate. He doesn't just want that. He wants everything surrendered to him. He wants everything about you, your heart, your life, your body, everything to be laying at the altar for his service. He wants everything. And that's always been the case. And I've wondered sometimes why a Christian would hesitate to surrender everything to the Lord. When you really understand, as yesterday in Psalm 8, how excellent is thy name in all the earth that you've made the heavens, and yet you've put man in dominion over this creation that you've given, and yet you think on man, puny man. When you know who God is, and you know that God sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to save sinners and die and be raised again, and, and you, you go on and on and on, and as a Christian understands who God is and what he requires from man just this short life of, of service since he saved us, why would you ever hesitate giving it all to the Lord? And I've held things back from the Lord, and you've held things back from the Lord before. And as I consider that, I think it always is going to come down to a lack of faith. A lack of faith. Faith that if I give God everything... I'll be not as well off as I would have been if I'd held it back. If I surrender more of my money to God or more of my time to God or more of my entertainment to God or more of my life's ambition, my agenda to God. And what that is really saying is, Lord, I can do better with what you've given to me than you can. And that's really what we're saying. Now, that will be hard to admit but that's really what we're saying. We're saying also this, I think, Lord, if I surrender everything to you, if I lay it all out there, everything, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. If we really come to that point and we're looking ahead thinking, I don't know if I can do that. What we're saying is, I don't think I'll be as happy if I do that. But I want you to notice if you have your Bible open, verse number two, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Notice those words, glad 
rejoice, sing praise. And this is one of those secrets of the Christian life. Whenever you do give everything to the Lord, what follows are always those words, being glad, rejoicing, and singing praise. And until you do surrender everything to God, gladness, rejoicing, and singing of praise will be absent from your life. I love missionaries. Love them. I was listening to a podcast from BIMI, Baptist International Missions Incorporated, just before I recorded this, called Moments for Missions, and I recommend it. It's just five minutes, so it's half as good as this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It's just a five-minute little bite-sized podcast called Moments for Missions. You can look it up afterwards, and it's awesome. I love that missions organization. It sends out missionaries who are committed to winning souls, planting churches, baptizing believers, teaching them to observe all things and going out to plant more churches themselves, just as Jesus taught before he went uh, back to heaven in the Great Commission. And missionaries ought to be our heroes. Uh, Somebody came to me a couple Sundays ago and said uh, that they believe that we really should be thinking about taking a missions trip as a church. And I absolutely agree. I had one a little bit starting to get planned, but then COVID happened and kind of threw everything uh, up in the air. But now that we're sort of settling back down, uh, looking to do that maybe within the next year or year and a half. And I love our missionaries. I love missionaries because they really have forsaken all to follow Christ. They're doing what many of us cannot do, and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is what Christ commanded. And we're able to do so Even though we can't go physically, perhaps, many of us can, but some of us can't, and we're able to go uh, in a way by holding the rope, so to speak, as they go down, holding the rope financially and with prayers as well. But they do give their whole life. There are untouched people groups all over the world just waiting for someone to tell them about the God of the Bible. And what would keep a person from surrendering their whole life, where they live, where they eat, even what language they learn and they might speak on a day-to-day basis, it's the skepticism that they'll be truly happy. Someone looks at the life of a missionary and says, I could never do that. I couldn't leave my home. I couldn't leave my culture. Well, Jesus Christ left heaven to come down to stinking earth. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head, he said. He did that for you and me. Well, the least we could do is surrender our lives to his service. And you might think that a missionary has no joy, no gladness, no rejoicing in their heart. But I'll tell you, I've sat in a lot of missionaries' homes all over the world, and I have seen real joy. Not because they love leaving their culture. They like their culture. They like being Americans. Not because they love leaving their safety of a subdivision in America or comfort, but They're rejoicing because they're following Jesus. I have a little book here called 19 Missionary Stories from the Middle East, compiled by Basil Miller in 1950, and it tells the story of a man named Assad Shadiak, and he was a man in Syria, and in 1825, he got saved, gloriously saved, and I'll skip ahead It was a very tough time in his life there in the Middle East, a lot of 
Catholicism, a lot of um, Muhammadism is what they call it in this book, the Muslim faith. I'll read, in time, 20 of his relatives conspired against him and at length delivered him to the patriarch who cast him into prison. Loaded with chains, the convert was thrown into a dark cell where daily he underwent cruel beatings. His fellow Syrians visited him only to revile, spit in his face, and mock, as centuries earlier they had scoffed the master, meaning Jesus. His own relatives joined in the persecution. None sought his release. Once they led the convert, Asad Shadiak, out of his dungeon and asked him to kiss the virgin in token of recantation of his heir. That'd be a statue of Mary. The alternative was kissing a vessel of burning coals. Said Asad, I accept the burning coals rather than kiss the virgin and deny my savior. Speaking thus, he pressed the coals to his lips, and with a burned mouth he was returned to his cell. Great was the joy and the glory of the Lord in his soul. Though he suffered intensely, spiritually there was an abundance of refreshing power that lifted his heart to the realms of heavenly bliss. Hey, did you hear that? Did you see that? His mouth is on fire. He's forsaken by his friends and family, but the joy and the glory of the Lord was in his soul. I'll keep reading. Proclaimed the Maronite patriarch, if he will not recant and chooses the burning of coals, I command that a wall be built around him, leaving only a small opening through which he may breathe and through which food may be passed to him in sufficient quantity, barely to keep him alive. And thus I command the sufferings of the starving man to be prolonged. This was carried out. The wall was built around Asad Shadiak, who refused to turn from the Christ in whom he had found redemption. Food was passed through the small aperture in tiny quantities, enough to keep a flicker of life in his wasted body, though not to restore him to health. At length, the Christian became a skeleton, but his mind was invincible in the Lord. He would not deny his faith. The Spirit of God had bound him with cords of divine love to the Christ of Calvary, who had been crucified on the cross. Finally, they killed the body of Asad Shadiak, who became the Maronite martyr. Though they might fell his mortal habitat, still they could not destroy his spirit. And thus he became a witness to the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And though he had sealed his testimony with his martyred blood, multitudes followed in his footsteps. For once more in Syria, the blood of the Christian became the seed of the church. What are you doing for Christ is how it ends. And God may not be calling you to be a missionary in another country, but let me ask you this and ask yourself, does Christ have your whole heart? David praised the Lord with his whole heart. If God doesn't have your whole heart, he really doesn't have it. What are you holding back today? I promise you it's better when you give it all to God. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart.